Yo, yo, yo. Here we go. Two old guys on the back porch. Peter, make your day a little bit brighter. I am Steve Scotch, and we have the lovely and talented cat. That's C-A-T, driving the big rig. Cat, what's up? Hey, y'all. How you doing? We can be found on Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, and uh, Google Podcast. Uh, the two cities we have listeners in, we're going to shout out this week. One is Lawrenceburg, Kentucky, little rural town on the Bourbon Trail, very nearby Wild Turkey and Four Roses. The other city we're going to shout out this week is Overland Park, Kansas, one of the largest cities in the state of Kansas. Also, we will be shouting out a um, little podcast just down the road there in Ashland, Stories from the Center of the Universe, hosted by Paul Gilman and Daniel Lance. They do a little, great little interview-type podcast. Give, and, give them a listen, and we're going to give them a cheer. All right. Alcohol is addictive, and it's expensive. Yes, it so is. What this, is in the background now? Uh, it's a, a local gearhead showing his uh, cams or something. I don't know. Wow. We mentioned Big Rig, and there it is. All right. <laughs> Again, alcohol, it is addictive, and now it's very expensive, but that doesn't stop us. All right, homeboy, take your freaking big truck and go down the road. Gee, man, we live like a quarter of a mile off the road, and you hear these asshats out here with their they're, hit, they're big, hitting their gear once they hit the bridge big trucks and little you know what all right um let's see today i'm just i'm going back to my beer modelo mexican beer with the lime you can't go wrong i like it been tr i drank it before people even knew what modelo was because people always copy me cat give me something i am drinking a watermelon martini we're hitting towards my favorite time of year of drinking because all the fruits and that I enjoy are all fresh and just enjoying a watermelon martini. All right. Sounds sweet like you, babe. Thanks, dog. All right. Alcohol is encouraged before, during, and after this thing. Just don't, uh, don't drink and drive. No. I have enough trouble just uh, drinking and walking. All right. Today, we're going uh, to get on a plane. Yikes. And, uh, we're going to take a flight. We're flying today. I, if if I have a choice, I choose not to. Um, you know, let's remember, getting on a plane, it used to be somewhat of a classy affair, right? Didn't it oh, back yes. in the day? The first flight I had back in the 70s, I had a suit on. Yeah. I mean, the stewardesses were dressed nicely, always smiling, willing to accommodate the passengers. Now with the uh, waitress in the skies, they, they got a poor attitude. Oh, that's a song by the replacements, by the way, Waitress in the Sky. It, it seems like it's a poor attitude. As soon as that plane levels off, they just want to get that uh, get that little cart with the goodies on it. Just get that thing from one end to the aisle to the other and then sit their ass back down. I don't know. The, the thing that, that gets me is... You know, it seems like they just want to get you on there, get this thing going, then shove you off. There's, uh, and let's be real. The plane, oh, sorry about that. The plane has turned into a, uh, it's a bus with wings. That That's all it is. 
Um, the last time I we were on a plane, and I do mean the last time. Yep. We were we were coming back from Vegas, and we had a layover in Dallas. Dallas. Okay. Which that airport is sort of like the size of a small city. Now, we get there and we have to get on escalator L9, take that to elevator D3, get on the moving sidewalk D7. If the wifey wasn't there, I'd still be there. It was this whole... (laughs) shuttle thing to there and that to get to the little I place. I have certain skills in this world and getting around the airport is one of them. Right. Uh, getting a plane in and off Atlanta a few times that I learned my way. <laughs> Whatever. It was, a, it was a disaster for me. But um, anyway, so that's just to get to sit, you know, in your little section where you're, what is right. it, the gate right. that you got to enter through. So we get in Dallas. I need two things. I need a Siggy, and we need some food. So I take off. We were there. We had to, well, 45 minutes right. before Late, we had to jump back ever. on to get to Richmond. So I'm like, this thing's got to have a, a smoking area somewhere. And again, smoking, it's a nasty, disgusting habit. It's an awful habit. It's not Don't healthy. Don't do it. Don't do it. I've... I'm gonna. It's gonna stop. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna say it. Promises, I don't. I don't smoke promises. that much. I'm not getting into smoking. We'll talk about that on another podcast. Um, I don't do it that much. But anyway, so I'm walking around. I can't find a smoking area. So I see this lady with a little name tag who works there. So I go, "Where's the smoking area? Well, you need to go down to uh, door number thirteen or whatever." So I walk like it felt like a mile, and I get to door thirteen. And there's this big sign there that says, if you go through this door, you need to have your uh, your ticket stub and your passport, and you're going to have to take all your clothes off again and go through all that shit. Well, I have nothing. Wifey's got all the paperwork back there where she's at. So I'm like, I'm not going through there and go through that again, because before we even got to Vegas, when we got in line, what is it called? TSA people? Yes. And they're just doing their job. I'm not, I'm not dogging them. You know, some idiots got on planes and, and ran them into our buildings years ago. And now we have to go through all this shit. So anyway, I got singled out to you go over to the to over here for extra special treatment. Me, for some reason, the wifey went right on through the little metal detector. And I got my shoes off and all that. And they look at me and go, no, you come over here. So now I have to go over to the side for some reason. I got singled Secondary out. Secondary inspection. Of course. And I got to take my belt off, and there's a cavity search and all there this shit. No cavity I'm search. like, what, why did I get picked out? I don't have a bomb up my ass. There's nothing in my shoe. And anyway, I got through the thing. So I see number door number 13 so I can get a cig. I'm like, screw that. I'll just go to the bathroom, right? Go sneak in there. Just like the high school days, you know, smoking in the boys' room. So I go in the bathroom. And the thing is packed, okay? They're, they're, so, of course, there's going to be one rat in there who squeals the minute I go in that booth. And I just want to fire this thing up, take about three hits off of it, and chuck it in the toilet. Somebody's going to scream, and I'm going to get arrested. So I bail out of that. So now it's on to try to find food. Now, the Dallas airport, it's got all these chain, you know, 
nasty freaking fast food things in there. They had Burger King, Subway, McDonald's, all that shit was in there. But the line was like 15 dudes deep everywhere. And I'm like, well, I only got now like 30 minutes. By the time I get up there, we're going to get on the plane. I would have taken it on Annie's pretzel at that point. That's what I brought back. <laughs> Remember, oh, no. I, ca- I came back with two pretzels, okay? I went to hit a Siggy and get us something to eat, and I came back with two pretzels that were hard as a freaking brick. So we chucked those in the trash. So I go to sit down beside the wifey in the little gate, the section where the gate is, right? And as soon as I sit down, this lady beside me, she goes, I'm, I'm sorry, sir, I'm saving this seat for my niece. I'm like, whoa, I didn't know we were saving seats. I don't want any trouble with grandma. I get up. <laughs> I move over to another section at another gate, but I position myself where I can see the wifey. So when they get on the, the little thing and go, please boarding game sign, they can't understand none of that shit. She'll give me the high sign to get over there. So I sit down. All of a sudden, this big lady comes. And when I mean big, I mean this lady was, she was at least four bills. I'm not, I'm not kidding. She comes over sits across from me and she's got two little hellions with her okay these two little punks are beating the hell out of each other right there in front of her they couldn't have been more than three or four years old and the bigger one is beating the hell out of the other one and she's doing nothing okay now i'm not going to parent anybody else's kids okay what would steve johnson have done i don't i think she was waiting till one of them started bleeding and then she was going (laughs) to jump in well, about that time, here comes the dad, and he's got two big bags of McDonald's garbage, okay? And you could see his face. You could tell he had just made so many bad choices in he's life. He's just beaten down. It was written, he had, first he married, there's a hummingbird right there. So you could tell, you know, first I married her. That was my first bad decision. And then I had these two little hellions here, and now I went and bought two big bags of McDonald's. About that time, wifey gives me the high sign. Time to get on the plane. I'm like, good, get me away from this. So we get on the plane. And I know everybody's got their plane story. I'm not trying to bore you. I know if you watch any comedians, they all tell a story about flying. But anyway, we're sitting there. We're in Dallas. Okay, so it's summertime, vacation time, and it's hot as hell. So I'm claustrophobic. I'm sitting in the middle seat, and now I'm having trouble breathing, and I'm thinking it's a claustrophobia, but but I look over at the wifey, and her makeup is running down her face, and her face is in her lap now. It's gone down here, and then the dude behind us started yelling, hey, somebody get some air moving on this plane, so then I felt a little bit better that it wasn't me that everybody is starting to cook on this thing, okay? So about that time, no lie, here comes the big lady down the aisle. And I was praying they were not on their flight. I was praying they weren't going to be there, and here they come. So now I'm praying that they're not going to sit near us. So lucky for me, there she goes, the two little Damien's. And the dad is still hanging on to those two bags of garbage from McDonald's, okay? Sure they smell great now. So in the back they go, back of the bus for them. We're sitting there, sitting there, nothing's going. About that time, the captain comes on. Yeah, it's going to be a slight delay. Uh, We're having a little seat trouble. I'm like, 
there's no way. So at this point, I'm thinking claustrophobia. I can't breathe. It's hot as hell on this plane, and now we're not moving. So I'm calculating. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna yell medical emergency. I'm gonna get off this son of a bitch and get a rental car and drive from Dallas to Richmond. I knew it was gonna take me two days, but at this point, I didn't give a shit. See you there. And yeah, wifey was gonna get left. <laughs> I didn't care either. So I, I didn't want to do it. I said, don't do it, don't do it. But I turned around and guess where the seat problem was? Back there with the big lady and the Hellions and the two bags of McDonald's and dad in the back, they went back there and fucked the seat up. So uh, now we gotta sit here. They, they, there were four and they really needed five. I don't know what it was. So the good thing, we only sat there about 20 minutes. And then here comes an Amigo. No shit. He had a screwdriver and one little screw in his hand and went back there and fixed, and fixed the seat. And now we're off. But but if there was a moment there where I was losing it. I'm hungry. I need a Siggy. And this plane is going nowhere. And I'm about to lose my shit. So we get back to Richmond. We go over to the carousel. We're waiting for the bags. And me and the wifey, the only thing we're thinking is if we don't get something to eat quick, we're going to pass out. So we sit there and we sit there and their bags were the last ones that came down that fucking street. I swear to God, they were the last ones. Grabbed them. We walk over to the magic glass doors that parted. I walked out there, put a, put a heater in my mouth, and we went across the parking lot. And I looked at the wifey and I said, what? Last flight That's ever. the last time I will ever get on one of them buses with wings. And I haven't. And, again, that's just my little horror story. Um, you know, think about what's happening the last year or so with all the trouble on planes. Could you imagine trying to work? Oh, I was on a plane you right pay now. Me enough. You could not pay me enough. I mean, we're having fights with Karens over a freaking mask. Okay, it's crazy. Just put the put the face diaper on, sit down, and shut up so we can get this plane off the ground. But but that's where it's gone. I don't know. Again, if if I do get on a plane again, there's going to be three things that go down. Number one, I'm going first class. Because I got these big, long, monkey legs. And there's no room <laughs> on these son of a bitches. When, when they show a plane on the news, when there's a conflict, and somebody acted like an asshole, and we got to throw them off the plane. Do you see those people sitting on that plane? No. They are packed on that son of a bitch like sardines. I mean, you can't move. But when they show a plane on a movie or a television oh, show, it's all everybody's all world. laid back like it's great. It is not, like I said. It's because the script writer is only done first class or something. I don't know. Next plane ride for me, I'm in first class. I don't care how much extra it costs. Number two, I'm going to take some kind of pill. I've never taken any pills. And I've and I vote Xanax. Done some other stuff. But uh, no pills for me. And I'm going to have plenty of drinks. That's the only way I'm going to jump on that joker. Kat, have you got anything else to add? You know, I know that was all positive. But <laughs> I just... Again. I have no problem with planes. I've been to Europe in planes. I've traveled across the country in planes. I have no problem, but... I'm not scared of flying. You're not scared of flying. I don't it's, care. It's the, You're the, the one squeezing the lifeblood out of my hand when we take <laughs> off and land. I, I am not scared of flying. The claustrophobia sucks. It does. Because 
you're in a confined space. You can't really move. And uh, that part of it kind of sucks. But I, I'm not scared of the flying. It's just, it's, I, I'm just waiting for something bad to happen. And that, that last time. And the ride out was fine. Right. We were on United or U.S. Air. I had room to move. I got to put the headphones on and watch Country Strong, the worst oh movie God, in the, the history of the movie world. Ever. But the but the flight home was just it was a complete freaking debacle. And if you've noticed now, they've come up with these jack in the box airlines that are just called like uh Jet Blue and we have wings and fly. I mean, there's like two words to that's, the whole thing. And I was like, I wouldn't get on one of them some bitches if they were free. They damn they are. Pe- people are taking them because it's cheap. Right. But nah, that that's a hell no for me. All right. We're going to roll right in to one tough son of a bitch this week. It is jesse owens can somebody shut the cat up we got birds in the background the cat's meowing and the dog's all over me but that's how the back porch rolls baby that's how we do it all right jesse owens born in 1913 in oakville alabama the youngest of 10 children let's say that again the youngest of 10 children and his parents were sharecroppers and if you don't know what a sharecropper is, you didn't go to school when I did. So look it up. That just means, it does mean you they were dirt poor. They had a plot of land that they worked. and They rented it, basically. Right. Um, his dad moved the family to Alabama. No, from Alabama to Cleveland, Ohio. Right. To Good escape move. racism, by the way. <laughs> but, of course, racism was everywhere back right. then. I mean, we're talking, you know. Do you know what his real name is? What? It's James Cleveland. Oh, get the hell out. And the Jesse came from a teacher trying to, because I guess his nickname was JC. Right. So instead she just shortened it to Jesse. Oh, And that's how he became Jesse Owens. Yeah, well, he went to high school, I'm going to say in Cleveland, and he worked and ran track. Okay, that's a busy day. Went to school and he worked. And he practiced his uh, track moves. Uh, Jesse ended up going to the University of Ohio. No scholarship. He was okay. nicknamed the Buckeye Bullet. Yeah. I think he worked there to pay right. for his college. Right. Um, there was somebody there that, that saw something in him and, and looked out for him. And uh, in college, he set three world records, and he tied a fourth. In 1936... Jesse Owens got to go to Berlin and compete in the Olympics in front of Hitler. That dirty bastard. Okay. Probably the biggest racist who ever lived. Um, So Jesse went out there and he kicked ass right in front of Hitler's face. It was awesome. Four gold medals in the 100 meter, the 200 meter, the broad jump, and he was on the 400 meter relay team. And you would think after that, he would get a little run, a little something. But right. the country was so racist then, you know, there was no Wheaties box for him, no endorsements. I mean, um, he had an audience with Hitler before he ever had an audience with FDR. Yeah. He also used to run against horses for money. Well, you know, 
after the Olympics, he had menial jobs, and he did run against horse racehorses, which to me is really tragic. You know, it's kind of it's kind of like a circus it, show, it is sideshow. Um, you know, Jesse Owens, one of the greatest American track athletes who ever lived, and he did it right in the face of racism, and that makes Jesse Owens. One tough son of a bitch. Okay. Our next segment is going to be What You Watching. Oh. And this week we're going to talk about Gaslit. Um, I got onto Stars Network because, of course, Outlander was on. And so Gaslit it started while I was watching, and I was like, let's just check into this. And it is starring Julia Roberts and Sean Penn as John and Martha Mitchell. It's a story of Watergate and the people behind Project Gemstone, the Watergate break-in. And it's cool because you kind of, it tells the story chronologically in a way, and you kind of get to know the names, the face and the names of what was going on with different people like Howard Hunt, G. Gordon Liddy, um, Halderman, Ehrlichman, and John Dean. And so far, I've really liked it. I mean, there's a lot of paranoia. I mean, Nixon wasn't the only one that was paranoid. What's it on? Showtime? It's on Stars. Oh, Stars. Ultimately, the break-in wasn't what sunk Nixon. It was a cover-up. So, But it, I don't know. So far, I'm kind of a political junkie. And matter of fact, in college... Sean Penn, you can't even recognize him. You can't even recognize him. They've got so much stuff on right. him. Yeah. But they're doing a great job. I mean... Good. Anyway, if... You got the time, and you're in political Gaslight. political uh, dramas. Good one to watch. All right, all right. Let's move on to cocktail of the week. I know how to say it a little bit. Cuba Libre. Libre. Mm-hmm. All right. Now the term it actually means to free Cuba. Yeah. Obviously. It was the term that was used like in the 1900s for when Spain was running Cuba. Yeah. And when they had the drink then, it was basically rum with a mix of honey and molasses and and rum and water. But then, of course, when after Spain went away and American soldiers showed up, uh, that's when Coca-Cola showed up and that's when the Cuba Libre started to get born. Wow. You know, speaking of free in Cuba, get the book Shay by John Lee Anderson. John J O N, not the country singer John Anderson. J O N Lee Anderson Shay. Of course, it's about Che Guevara, and you know it's a good book if you read it twice, and I did read it twice. It's it's great. But anyway, the Cuba Libre, it's very easy to make. I'm going to tell you what I have, then you can change it. Because basically, to me, it's a rum and coke. You have a shot of rum and two shots of coke and a highball glass. Stir it with your finger, and bam, you got it. Now, what, what's the difference? Um, you need to have a Spanish-based rum, as in like Bacardi. Oh, okay. So that's the only difference between a rum and coke. And... All right. There you so go. I don't, I don't know if you could use a, um, a Reuben rum or anything When else. you go to the bar tonight. It's one of my favorite drinks. Don't, it is. Wifey loves rum and coke. And 
when we go out and go see a band, she has a lot of them. And yeah. then there's dancing, and it's it my, gets a little sloppy. But I, my, I totally drunk, take advantage drunk. of it. All right. There it is. You want a taste take test? Take a sip. <laughs> I have to say, put the lime in there and, and give it a good squeeze. Yeah. You want the lime flavor. Lime in Coke is not bad anyway. And Bacardi does make a lime-flavored rum that also adds something to it. So, It's good. It's good. Basically a rum and coke, but call when you walk up to the bartender, call it a Cooper Libre. All right, today we were bumpered in by one, me and the wife, he's one of our favorite bands. It's yes, called it New Order. We had Love Vigilantes coming in, one of their classic songs. Formed in 1980 when me and the wifey were 16 years old. From Manchester, England, from the ashes of Joy Division comes New Order. You know, it's sort of like when uh, Dave Grohl kept going after uh, Kurt Cobain left us. You know, the members of Joy Division, and if you don't know who Joy Division is, Uh-oh. I can't help you. All right, so <laughs> Joy Division. Okay, young bloods, do some research and learn about Joy Division. They had a singer named Ian Curtis. Unfortunately, he committed suicide right before Joy Division was coming to the States for their right. first tour. And dude had a lot of issues. But um, And I don't think that tour would have went too well anyway. Joy Division over here, they were very, uh, sorry about that, depressed. Um, there wasn't much joy in, in the music. division. <laughs> yeah, very, very dark. I don't think they would have went over too well here. But anyway, they didn't make it. Joy Division was gone when Ian Curtis was gone, so the drummer, the guitar player, and the bass player went on and formed New Order with Jillian, I don't know her last name. She's married to the drummer, right, Stephen right. Morris. I don't know if she took his last name, but anyway, she was it's there for Jillian the beginning. Morris. She's on keyboards. You know, they kind of took depressing music and made it danceable, right? I yes, mean, everybody yes. danced I did New Order. move my tickets at the Pyramid Club and several other after clubs to some of this music. Back the wifey in the 80s. was in the clubs dancing the clubs. to New Order. Yes, I um, definitely was. You know, they've got Peter Hook on bass, Stephen Morse on drums, great rhythm section. Um, you know, very innovative bass players, Peter Hook. He, he, he kind of turned the bass into like a lead instrument. You know, he would play the bottom string, the G. And do a lot of stuff with that while still he hitting the uh, open D on top, the third string. Very, very cool what Peter Hook did. Unfortunately, he's not even, they're still going now, and he's not in the band anymore because it's him and Bernard Sumner, the main Bernard. singer, they bro- got into it. It doesn't make sense. I mean, I don't, New Order without Peter Hook doesn't work. I mean, it I understand work. it's a bass player, but. Dude was very cool the way he played, his little stance he would make, and I, I don't know. There's it's, some songs, and I know I'm married to a bass player. If you don't hear that bass line, you really left part of the song out. Well, they've got a guy there doing it. I looked at some of it on YouTube. They're, they're pulling it off, but anyway, you know, they're in New Order, their songs are like, five six oh, minutes yeah. long some of them they have long tunes take you on a journey pretty pretty good lyrics i Reminds like the lyrics the, what, what was used to get the 12 inch or whatever yeah it had long play song. yeah 
I like their very early songs. Ceremony, right. Blue Monday that had, like you said, it was one song, song on the whole side. We bought all that stuff. We were crazy back then. Anyway, New Order. You know, if you listen to the lyrics, it kind of lets you know you're not the only one who is strange. <laughs> all right, New Order. Either you get it or you don't, and you better get it. Check them out wherever you get your music. We want to thank everybody for listening. And we'll see y'all down the road. See ya. With our rifles and grenades and some help from God.